Welcome to episode 444 with my guest, Jen Kirkman. This is a replay of an episode that was originally recorded and aired in 2011. I'm taking the month of July off for some much much needed mental health, and uh, we'll be back in August with brand new episodes. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. If you've never experienced uh, or tried online therapy, I highly recommend it. I've been doing it for a couple of years, and I love it. Just go to BetterHelp.com slash mental. Make sure you include the slash mental so that they know you came from this podcast. And then just fill out a questionnaire, and they'll match you up with a BetterHelp.com counselor so you can experience a free week of counseling to see if online counseling is a good fit for you. And you need to be over 18. And uh, here now is that episode from 2011 with Jen Kirkman. Welcome to the Mental Illness Happy Hour, Episode 12. I'm Paul Gilmartin, and my guest is Jen Kirkman. But before we get to that, uh, some reminders. Uh, the website is mentalpod.com. Um, there's a forum. There's uh, blogs that I've written. There is uh, a survey you can take. You can also check out wh- how other people respond to the survey. It's pretty fascinating. Um, we're going to have T-shirts for sale pretty soon. If you want to support the show by going to uh, iTunes and giving us a good rating, that'd be uh, that'd be awesome because that helps boost our ranking and that draws more people to the show. Our Twitter and Skype names are MentalPod, and our Facebook group and Facebook fan page are Mental Illness Happy Hour. Um, it's been an interesting week. Uh, a guy I know named David H. I met a couple of years ago uh, had an interesting interesting story. He's a, a crack smoking millionaire and. I can't get enough of the crack smoking millionaires because there is no end to the awesome stories that they have. Uh, when somebody when somebody loves crack and has enough money to to keep smoking it, uh, you know some drama is going to ensue. And that happened with uh, with David. He got to the point where he had been pronounced dead on a gurney uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, somehow pulled out of it. Doctors told him, "You ever you ever smoke crack again, you are going to die." And uh, that's just what he did three days ago. Uh, OD'd on crack and heroin because uh, he just couldn't put his ego aside and ask for help. And um, if you looked at his life on the surface, he, he had it all. Uh, wealthy family, 6,000 square foot house on Mammoth Mountain. All the stuff that when I look at, I think, oh, fuck, why can't I, why can't I have that? And then I saw the obituary that his, uh, his family had put out. And it said that he had died of a brain aneurysm. And I thought, you know, I don't know how enjoyable that house would be with a bunch of people that that can't be honest about what's really happening in their lives. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm pointing fingers. But um, I, why am I bringing this story up? A, I want to sabotage my show. I like to start off with a really shitty hole that I dig and then see if I can... Even get one person to listen all the way through. No, I, I, I guess I bring it up because I have the feeling that there's probably a couple of people listening to this show that want to get sober or want help with their psychological problems, but are really afraid to ask for help. David was one of those people. He left behind a teenage daughter. He left behind friends like me that told him. If you don't, if you don't get help, you're going to die. I told him at least a half a dozen times, David, you know, you're dating women that make you crazy, uh, and you are absorbed in your work and you're obsessed with money and you're a crack smoker. 
this is not a good combination. But uh, he just didn't believe that there was a spiritual component to life. He thought that it was all the, in the material world. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting a little new agey on you there, but uh, there is more than there is the than just meets the eye in this universe of ours. And uh, I don't know. I'm beginning to bore myself. Jesus Christ. Uh, how about this? How about we uh, we kick things off with a quote? This is uh, this is from Eckhart Tolle in his book, A New Earth. The greatest achievement of humanity is not its works of art, science, or technology, but the recognition of its own dysfunction, its own madness. Everybody yeah. I know is bizarrely, beautifully fucked up in some weird way. I couldn't stand you in the audition. I couldn't stand yeah. you. Yes, yeah. awful. Yeah. I was drunk. And I learned that I could solve my problems. And said. Through violence, since I couldn't communicate. Lonely? Yes. I'm afraid that my genitalia is ugly. That's hurtful. And what was your role in the robbery? I mean, you never knew what you were going home to. I had a jar that had teeth in it. I was a wreck. Other people's teeth? Yeah. I'm here with uh, Jen Kirkman, and uh, we're going to try this again. I was here about three weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, oh, Yo, you're not even going to tell him about what just happened now. Oh, I, I, I oh, should, yeah, I should yeah. do that. Yeah, I came here about three weeks ago and thought I was recording through the microphones that we're holding, but uh, had fucked up in the setting and recorded us through the shitty little microphone in the laptop. So I came back here today. We started recording again, and we're about five minutes. We're about five minutes into it, and something didn't seem right to me. And I looked, and I had made the exact same mistake <laughs> again. But uh, I've got it figured out now, and uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Yay! So, um, for those of you that don't know Jen, she is a, a hilarious stand-up comedian. Um, you've seen her on Funnier Die. She did uh, a really funny drunk history. A lesson uh, about Frederick Douglass. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a writer on Chelsea Lately and a performer and panelist on that yep. uh, as well. Is there anything else that, that people might know you from or are those the two biggest things? I think those are the two biggest things. Some people know me. Uh, the show I used to do, Cartoon Network's Home Movies, years ago, did some okay. voices on there. And every once in a while, people will come out of okay. the word work about that. But okay. That's not face recognition. Okay. And if people want to reach you on Facebook or Twitter, uh, how would they do that? Um, Twitter is at Jen Kirkman with one N, the Jen. And I, my website, jenkirkman.com, has all my info. And Facebook, I just use privately. But there's, okay. a, there's a fan page. But, okay. You know, right. I think that's just, they'll find it. Yes. Uh, well, one of the things that uh, made me want to have you as a uh, a guest on this show is in your stand-up, there's a vulnerability and a, and a self-effacing uh, quality that I, I, I find very endearing. And that, to me, kind of signals that you're somebody who is very comfortable uh, talking about their own foibles. And um, mm -hmm. so when you told me that you had listened to this show and uh, and enjoyed it, I was like, well, I got to I gotta." have you as a as a guest i'm so honored and, that you yeah. asked i really was just writing to tell you how much i loved it because uh, i was on the road alone in a hotel room for mm -hmm. you know a weekend and i listened to every episode back to back you have no idea how great that made me feel when you sent me that because i had just started doing it and you were the first oh, okay. comedian i knew uh that uh had listened to it and, and sent me anything about it. So I wasn't oh. realizing how this was being received yet. And and I think I was having one of those days where I was just kind of feeling sorry for myself. Oh, and cool. uh, and it was uh, so nice that you could artificially pump me up for that for that totally. day. And I could uh, feel good about myself in a way that was really synthetic. 
And now you're pregnant after I artificially I'm, pumped you up. That's right. So let's, uh, let's talk about you. Where'd you grow up? Um, Needham, Massachusetts. And you, uh, what, was, what was your family like? You, you were raised Catholic, correct? Yes. And uh, what, what was that like? Well, I'm not, I don't have the damage that other people do. I didn't go to Catholic school. Uh-huh. Um, it was the mostly church once a week. So you visited prison. You weren't in prison. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I was in through. prison for eight years. Oh, you so, were? Yes, okay. Yes, yeah, yes, I yes. walked through like, what's the problem? Right. Um, but I think I was saying this, to, either I said it to you, or I might have said to both of you, but um, I did Julie Klausner's <laughs> podcast a little while ago, really uh-huh. funny writer, and she's Jewish, and she was talking about the guilt. And I was saying that Jewish guilt, from what I hear, seems more like your mother guilting you about your life and mm-hmm. your behavior. Mm-hmm. And Catholic guilt is very much you're imposing it on yourself. Yes. And because I don't remember my parents giving me any guilt about God, but it was just like, to the way I was raised was like, like my parents were middle management and God was the boss. And it was like, Hey, I don't like the rules either, but you ain't got to do it because he's watching. And I don't know. So it was kind of like, they weren't like, are you having sex? Are you doing this? It was just like, here's the rules from God. Mm -hmm. Don't. And they would just remind you every once in a while. Now, you know that, what God thinks if you're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But I think I that's also, a great way, a great way of uh, highlighting the, the differences. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, like, there was always, I just, I focused more on the notion of every once in a while you'd hear, you know, you're all sinners, you, everything is horrible. But yeah, every well, once in a while. Well, the theory is you're born a sinner and you die a sinner and you might have a shot during your lifetime to clean that slate. But yeah. But the chances aren't good. Well, go go have a nice life. What I focused on was, okay, I'm born a sinner. I die a sinner. Jesus fucking loves sinners. He's hanging out with a prostitute. I got no problems. All I'm doing is going to third base with boys in high school. Right. And not having sex with them because Mm -hmm. it's not right. Right. So I didn't see what the fuss and drama. Right. I didn't ever have that kind of guilt or anything like that. I really didn't. So something, thank God, quote unquote, that I heard that message of, well, wait, I'm this bad person, but Jesus likes these bad people. And I think he seems to forgive them all at the end anyway. So I must have missed that part where Jesus (laughs) loves sinners because I just went right to the I'm a piece of shit. And uh, Um, if I'm enjoying sex, I must be dirty. I see. I think it must be a Kennedy thing. Yeah. Um, growing up in Massachusetts, where the Kennedys are like the figureheads, mm-hmm. and you know they're all horrible people, mm-hmm. but they're all at church every Sunday and they seem fine. Right. Yeah. You really think that a Kennedy's going to go to hell? Like there was just that right. kind of they were like our pope. Right. Even though they my- were the Sherpas of what <laughs> yes. you could get away with in Catholicism. So I just thought of it as like. We're all just doing this thing. God's checking in who's he's taking attendance. Yes. You're in church on Sunday. L- listen, you're doing better yes. than most. Yeah, the curve is obviously low because the Kennedys are doing okay. None of them are dying. Oh, wait. <laughs> I guess if you think death is a curse, Paul. <laughs> no, no, but it's so funny because like I'm now an atheist. I say that word because, but I'm not committed to it. Right. I don't literally think. You haven't shut your mind. No, I'm, I don't, I believe, I pray, mm-hmm. I, I believe in a source of energy and I don't, it, people can say, well, well, to me, that's not, that's not an atheist. Then you're, you're, it sounds to me like you're an atheist in terms of the organized religion version of what God is. But you, if you believe that there's a source of something that to me is 
would make you not be an atheist. I guess so. But even if the source is just science, that's yeah. that's big enough for me to yeah. to whatever. And so for science me, has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And for me, the easiest way to tap into it and just lose myself is to literally say, you know, if I'm saying a prayer, like, please help me. I don't have to know who I'm talking to. I could right. be talking to a, a, a molecule. It right. doesn't matter. Right. But it, if I say, I know I'm just talking to my higher self, but yeah. for me, even though I intellectually know, I'm probably just talking to a higher part of myself that I need right. to listen to. Mm-hmm. I can't access that self any other way. Yeah. I can't just sit here and think, what would the higher self right. think? I have to get really I think humble. Change, I think it changes our chemistry when we, when we think about ourselves not being the ultimate uh, power that is running things. Yeah. Uh, something, I think, happens on a molecular level. Because to me, I can't throw science out the window to to believe in something i i I just can't that's why the bible to me is makes a perfect coaster is uh (laughs) you know the 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 fact that you know the world is only five thousand years old no it's not no it's been proven it's older than five thousand years it's more miraculous that it isn't right but that to me doesn't discount the teachings of christ which i think are beautiful and right. i think they're great rules to live by it's just the rest of the bible to me is is confusing and full of a lot of thunder and really boring sentences yeah and, and maybe i sh- to be fair i should read it and stop and stop judging it but um i would rather read autobiographies by drug addicted rock stars oh yeah well well i have two things yeah. to say about that first yeah. of all i'm there's a great book called the yoga of jesus which yeah. this like famous yogi wrote mm-hmm. and he's just saying like this is what jesus meant from a uh, more hippie dippy yoga spiritual right. Buddhist perspective, uh-huh. and so all that thing of like I'm the son of God, I am God is not like literally like my daddy is God, and he's right. gonna kill me. It's like we're all mm-hmm. our we're all pieces of we God. All come we're from... all part of a higher self. Right. We're all a consciousness. We come from nothing. Yeah. We go back to nothing. That kind of thing. But I feel bad for my friends that went to Catholic school because a lot of them are angry atheists because yes. I feel like they're still in that phase where they're like, you don't tell me what to think, and mm-hmm. so they're angry all the time. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like. You know, you guys can make up your own thing if you want. Like, if right. you wanted to believe in something, it doesn't mean they got you or yeah, whatever, right. you know? And maybe they really just don't believe, but I don't know why there's so much anger about it. Because for me, it's like, I think I used to believe in the Catholic stuff growing up, and then I just kind of, like, slowly over time was like, it's not really doing anything for me. Yeah. I don't actually think I believe this. Oh, cool, I don't. Oh, thank God I don't. Yeah. Oh, good, I'm comfortable not believing it. Did you go through an angry, an angry phase where you were like, oh, why did I let them shove that shit down my throat? No, because okay. I guess it was never shoved down my throat. I guess that's mm. where I don't relate to my friends. It was never shoved down my throat. Yeah. Um, it well, was you, just you, you once didn't attend a week. Catholic, yeah, you didn't attend Catholic grade school eight years. No, and, I, and my mom taught CCD classes. I had to go to those once a week. Mm-hmm. And there was this terrible nun who thought she was cool because she wore normal clothes clothing mm-hmm. and she was just a bitch i mean yeah. she would uh, she didn't like me mm-hmm. and she would see me in the hallway at ccd and go kirkman i'm like who's i go you're a nun <laughs> but like there was no hitting me or anything like that right. it was just mostly like these two people mm-hmm. yelling at each other in the hallway mm-hmm. and i remember my mom <laughs> like a nun who thinks she's maud <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that would be great if she was like anything she's just at the door to the church every time you go into church (laughs) the door opens and there she is (laughs) and then there's sister julie but yeah there was this cool priest that was like young and she was young and people thought they were having an affair maybe they were funny and so my mom taught ccd class and this kid 
my mom said, do you have any questions? And this kid raised his hand like, what would happen if Sister Julie and Father Arns fucked? And my mom was like, get to the... Get to the principal's office, or get to the yeah. you know, get to Sister Julie's office yeah. right now. Did, did the kid actually use the word "fucked"? Or, or yeah, yeah, really? I wasn't there. My mom told me about it later. Oh but, my god, that's hilarious! But I guess when the kid went to Sister Julie's office, she was so concerned with being cool that she yelled at my mom like, "Hey, the kid has a question. Answer it!" And she's like, right. "Oh, I'm sorry for thinking that that would be inappropriate in a CCD yeah. class." So, so we both. So I never had that thing where my parents were like, "Listen to the nuns and the priests." Right. Like my mom was like, "This woman's fucking crazy." And yeah, yeah. Let's. I sent you an email uh, asking if you would be interested in doing a fear off. Uh, oh yeah, with me. And uh, do you do you have some uh, that in your in your brain that you could uh, do you feel like? You yeah, could... I didn't write them down, but I got. Oh, them. that's okay. Yeah, All yeah. Right. All right. Um, so the, for those of you that haven't heard me do a fear off, uh, we just basically uh, we we trade fears. It's mm-hmm. a tag. You're it until one of us can't come up with a, a fear anymore. Now I'm at a disadvantage because I've done it. This would be I think the second or third time I've done this on this show, and I got to try to come up with. With new ones and have them be actual fears that that, that oh, okay. I, so that you're I not have. Just so to win. no, no, but uh, I you know I don't want to repeat uh, a lot of ones that I've done before. Oh, okay, so, okay. Oh, this um, be fun. But fortunately, I'm uh, fucked up enough that uh, I should probably this never probably never well. run out of. Yeah, oh, there's a very deep well. <laughs> uh, so um, I will start it off. Okay. I am afraid that I will die alone. Oh. Um, I'm afraid that everyone I know will become successful and forget about me and I'll have no money and no career. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. Uh, I actually looked at uh, their day planners and that was in it. So that is actually reality. That's just a premonition. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a fear that I will uh, die a long, lingering, painful death. I have that same fear. Yeah. I have a fear that you know you're dead and it's just pure torture the entire time. Oh. And at the last moment of death, there is no white light, and you're just gasping and regretting. Wow. <laughs> wow. Are you sure you're not thinking of a Nora Ephron movie? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Uh, I am afraid that uh, people know things about me that I don't, and they pity me. <gasps> oh, shit. Okay, well, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my mind, go insane, and be homeless and schizophrenic and babbling and never be able to get help. Oh, but think of the material to be able to get out of that. <sighs> but nobody own... would give you stage time. Well, I'd just be on the corner. That would yeah, be my stage time. That would be your stage. I'd just get an amp or something. You'd have your own show. <laughs> Finally, Jen Kirkman gets her own show. The bad news is it's on a street corner and, she's, and she smells like feces. <laughs> Uh, I have a fear that I will get sick and not be able to get health insurance. Oh. And that's a real, very real fear because I have a stack of MRIs that is like an inch thick from just shoulder injuries and, mm-hmm. and you know, and the fact that I've been diagnosed as clinically depressed. And so that's one that really, really fucks with me. I have that same one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a fear that um, I'm going to get, uh, that I'm going to die before 40 mm-hmm. and that, um, there won't be anyone to help that, that somehow everyone will be too busy to come visit me. Like I'll be dying in a hospital somewhere and I, it will never be that it's a wonderful life ending. Well, that is it's so like far into the game, the most ridiculous fear yet. 
<laughs> We've had some that are that are kind of maybe loosely. Ridiculous? Oh, absolutely. You've got a gazillion friends and people that love you. I know, but will they show up at the important time? Yes, they will. Mm. It's up to you to get I'm the cancer. Mad at them about it. <laughs> it's up to you to get the cancer to press them on the issue. Um, I am afraid that I am disappointing people who love me and I don't know it. <gasps> a lot of don't know it's for you. Yeah. But what's one of my biggest fears is that I'm uh, dumb, you know, that I'm and, and, and I think I compensate by trying to be a know-it-all. Oh, that's I, funny. Just like I think people that are insecure, I, I think the most insecure people are people that are cocky. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I don't care if anyone thinks I'm dumb. I was just thinking yeah. about that. But okay, well, I have a fear that people think I'm fucking crazy mm-hmm. and are just patronizing me and there's no one really in my life that's actually my friend. It's just a bunch of people who are like, okay. <laughs> right. And uh, that no one really trusts that I know what I'm talking about. Like if right. I'm talking about my life or, hey, I went through this thing that everyone's yeah. like, well, you're fucking crazy. That, right. that deep down people are just going behind my back. Yeah, yeah. I am afraid that I will start drinking in the future and die an ugly alcoholic death. Oh, that's a that is a very real yeah a very real fear. Oh, I hope yeah. you don't. Yeah, I have a fear that every decision I made in life is the wrong one, and it <laughs> will be shown to me how I fucked up oh. and how easy it could have been to just oh. make the other decision. That's delicious. That yeah. is so awesome. I think about that all the time. That is that is like. That fear should have been served on like velvet, like how they presented diamond. <laughs> that was the so gorgeous. Cadillac of fears. Oh, that is that has a leather interior. Yeah, that that fear. I mean, because everyone says, um, you're you know wherever you are, that's where you're meant to be. Yes, and there is you know just the now. What's the opposite of but that? But if I found out, no, it's not just the now. Yeah. There's a whole past. We've been tracking it. <laughs> If you had just fucking turned around on Tuesday, everything would be different. Oh, here's where you blew it. Yeah, and every decision you've made is wrong and uh, is not true where wherever yeah. you are, there you're supposed to be. Yeah. Everything doesn't happen for a reason. It was happening and you missed it. You fucked it up. Oh, yeah. you must have loved Defending Your Life, Albert Brooks movie, Defending Your Life. Shit, you know, I don't know if I have seen that in, at all or just oh, in so long that it. I haven't. You got to see it because I there's a scene in it. There's a scene in it where it's a montage mm-hmm. of all the bad decisions he's made in his life. Oh, okay, no, I and, didn't see it. Oh, that's a horror movie to me. Oh, it's and I of course Albert Brooks makes it geniusly uh, funny. I have to see it. I really yes. like him a lot. How did he's, I not see that? Uh, I How did know. I not see that and see Mother twice, which I don't totally love? Uh, I agree, Mother. I, I I love it, and yet it's at the same time I'm like it's not a great movie. It's just a movie I relate to so much that it's almost like a seven dollar therapy. Right, you know, right, right. Seven dollars. Right. What am I going to see? The movies in 1992. <laughs> well, actually, probably was when it when it came out. But um, uh, I am afraid that I will never make good money again. Oh. Yeah, I am afraid I will have no savings, and I'll be a, this little old woman who's actually a woman I used to work with who smokes Pall Malls and lives in like a studio apartment and has like you know, lives day to day on cash that I'll have to keep working till I'm 90. Mm-hmm. Not in a Joan Rivers way, but yeah. in a yeah. teenage summer job way. Yeah. And, and you'll be in front of people in line and they'll look at you at, Oh, she has to buy that brand. Oh yeah. I know. I know that fear. Uh, I am afraid that, uh, this is kind of similar to the other one, but I'm afraid that I'm really, really clueless and don't, and don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would almost say you probably are. Yeah. That all of us are on yeah. a deeper level. I think you're right. I think you're right. And as long as we know that we're not the only ones yeah. that don't have all the answers. Right, exactly. That nobody has. That almost seems like a comforting meditation. Yeah. I'm clueless and I don't know it. Yeah. Sounds good to me. We're all clueless and we and we don't yeah. know it. Yeah. This is a prop a property thing that's sort of like I'm afraid that someday I'll have the money I want to buy a beach house and the day I get there there'll be a tsunami and I'll be washed <laughs> out to the ocean by myself such a specific fear that's I think about so, it all the time that's so awesome that if someone even shits on your dreams yeah because I, I remember reading an interview with Jim Carrey and I know the most famous thing he did was write that check, check. And put it, you know yeah. but he did this other thing where he used to drive over Mulholland and look at all the houses and just kind of go that's my house and just like point to you know just like I yeah. live there like manifesting it yeah. And so sometimes I'll do stuff like that. And then in my fantasy, it's a beach house. And I'm like, and then there's a tsunami. Yeah. And everyone, no one else dies but me because everyone yeah. I know is still on mainland. Yeah. And then I can feel myself choking and drowning. I I had a short version of that where um, my wife and I were in line for the uh, lobster truck. Have you have you eaten at that? There's this thing in LA, th this, these food trucks. That I'm have... against eating out of a truck, but I... Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. Not for you, for me. Okay. I don't like it. There's this thing uh, called lobster rolls, which are really popular on the East Coast. And oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of like similar to a hot dog bun, but a little different. And they grill it and they make it delicious. And then instead of a hot dog, it's just packed with delicious lobster meat mm. or crab. And I had never tried one before. And when this truck shows up, they tweet that they're going to be at a certain place. Oh, yeah, and when yeah. they show up, the line is around the fucking block. So I'm hungry. I'm waiting in line. And there's like 10 people ahead of us. And I can, I'm just obsessing about how it's going to taste. And all of a sudden, a fear strikes me that is so real that an earthquake is going to hit. And then I'm never going to get to try the lobster roll. <laughs> I mean, that's so quality problem. <laughs> Isn't it? It's the best. But I turned to my wife and I, and it took all the power out of it because I told her, I said, here's what I'm afraid is yeah. going to happen. You know, and she just laughed. <laughs> And I did get to eat them, and they were fucking delicious. And then there was an earthquake somewhere else. Somewhere Take that. else. That's right. Uh, I am afraid that there will be a civil war in this country again. Ooh. I don't think that. I don't know if that one is ridiculous or not. Because I kind of wish there would be, but in my fantasy, it goes really well for me <laughs> and my values. <laughs> and nobody gets killed, but we just separate into two different countries. Oh, what's that look like? I don't know how it looks on the map, but it looks like. There's a Canada part two and yeah. then a, a Mexico. Where everybody, where gays can marry and we can get free health insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's then, a maturity to the media. And yeah. then the other country can just be a met. It can just be like an episode of like intervention or horrors. Just a big it's episode like, of cops. Yeah, exactly. It's you know. just that. It's all that. And they can just. And, and super right wing Republicans. People, pro they'll probably just start dying. Yeah. And then we can take that land back. Yeah. Apparently, I haven't read it, but Albert Brooks's uh, book 2030 kind of is a reality-based extrapolation of today's problems into 2030. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to be really good. Is that uh, the book he's promoting on Twitter? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I should get Oh, it. my God. His tweets are so fucking funny. They're really my, funny. My two favorite tweets of his is, uh, does it mean you don't like someone if you Google their name and put cancer after it? <laughs> <laughs> and the other, and the other uh, one he had was um, Bin Laden's last uh, email. Um, what are you wearing, shy one? Black or dark black? <laughs> Just a minute, I've got to get the door. Oh, I, I saw that. One. I remember that one. 
<laughs> Gotta get the door. So Isn't fucking that funny? funny. That's actually how I picture it. I read yeah. this whole article about how they got in there, and yeah. I actually my head was picturing they just came through the door like a drug bust. Yeah. But um, well, I have a fear. I guess I kind of said it before, but it's very specific. I have a fear that even though I quit smoking ten years ago, that I have will get some kind of weird black lung and it's mm-hmm. already happening and it's impossible to stop. Yeah, that wouldn't happen. You're in LA. The air is very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I might as well just smoke again. Uh, I am afraid that uh, no one will stop the corporations uh, from running our country. Oh, I have that same fear. Yeah. That's probably already coming. And, and, and I, I suppose in a way that's me introducing politics into this show which i swore that i wouldn't but since that's a fear of mine i get a loophole the, the corporations right. get a loophole yeah they I get pay loophole. taxes this year you can i get a loophole you can talk about it yeah i guess i have a fear that there will be a nuclear war in my lifetime yes oh yeah. I, I i have that same that same fear i have a fear that our country uh is becoming more ignorant it's probably reality yeah well i have a fear that don't you also think, though, that, that our country, um, I feel like we're heading to different poles. I feel like there is a part of the country that is becoming more enlightened and tolerant, but I also feel like oh. the other people are becoming angrier, more violent, and more ignorant. Yeah, because I was just going to say, like, less educated on every yeah, level. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty true. I, I only get senses of it from weird social experiments like Twitter or how audiences yeah. react to things, but yeah. I like to think that's kind of a good pulse you know Mm -hmm. just the anger that when i say something i'm not saying it to anybody i'm just Mm -hmm. saying it on my twitter yeah and i usually try to make it funny and i'm not that political on twitter and i I think i'm saying things that that everyone kind of agrees on even people that might vote for her like today i said something about the sarah palin's recent paul revere video Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of hatred and anger towards me from teenagers Mm -hmm. um someone wrote you don't matter That is the harshest thing that you can say to another person. It's it's awful. And it I was awful. like, see, that's not even intelligent debate. And I made a joke about Sarah Palin's video, which mm-hmm. is undoubtedly false. Like mm-hmm. the stuff she said about Paul Revere's ride is not true. Mm-hmm. And um, I was presenting fact and being funny as a comedian and I didn't write it to anybody. I didn't find someone that supports Sarah Palin and said, you know, you're stupid because right. of this. It was my opinion. And, and, and the proper way, if we're going to go analogous mm-hmm. is that kid would read what I wrote and think, well, what do I think about this? What do I think about people who think Sarah Palin's dumb? And he'd make a joke, not directed at anyone and just mm-hmm. put it on his Twitter page, yeah. you know, um, blah, 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 something funny liberals. But that, yeah. that's, that's, that's analogous to what I did. Right. But he goes at me with a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the level of debate I feel like in this country. And people could say that's a troll. That's a thing. No, yeah. there are people who speak to each other that way. Yeah. When on both con- sides. Yeah. When confronted yes. with something, they don't have a fact to back it up with. Sometimes when I'm in a debate with someone about stuff and I don't know, I will say I actually don't know enough to know what yes, we're talking what about I'm talking anymore. About, so, yeah, so yeah. let's stop and yeah. whatever. But I don't think there. Yeah, so I agree. Mm. It's getting crazier out yeah. there. I feel. I really. Oh, I have a fear that my apartment's going to get broken into and it's just going to get Mad Max around here and the poor will be terrorizing. You know, mm. the poor. I mean, it's like I'm not in a mansion. I'm in an apartment, so it's like. But I fear that. People will just come in and start Wind- taking things and raping o- me. Boards over the windows. Yeah. You know, I'm making a break for a gallon of gas. Yeah. Cover me. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I have a feeling that's, I think about that every night. The nice part is we'll all get to wear leather. That is, that is the good part. 
But I hope, well, then I hope yes. for a winter kind of human apocalypse yeah. then because it gets hot in summer in yeah. LA with leather on. Yeah. Riding a, a motorcycle with a gimp mask on. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a, that's one of those movies, Mad Max. That's one of those movies when it's on, I, I, I can't help but watch some of oh, it. I've seen it once when it came out and that's it. Oh, it's just, uh, there's something so soothing about an apocalypse because it, it kind of tells me, no, you're on the right track. You're in, in terms of what you think. Oh, okay. uh, in a sick way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, I sh- I should be revolted by it, but there's something yeah, like that is really weird. like uh, you know, maybe you'll find out a trick to, you know, survive by watching this movie. It's it's so <laughs> oh, okay, okay. so wrong on every level. Um I'm also afraid that our country is becoming more violent. Uh although I I saw something in the paper the other day that said that uh our country, either our country or the the whole world uh, is at a historic 40-year low for violent crime. Oh, that's great. It hasn't been this low for violent crimes Maybe in Maybe it's all years. the drugs people are on. Yeah. I don't mean an- uh, antidepressants. I mean like yeah, right. smack and things sure. that make you fall asleep. Yeah. If it keeps you in your chair, <laughs> God God bless you. Um, I think I have a fear of, it's related to the lung disease, but I have a lot of fears around breathing. I have a fear that I will have some breathing problem and have to live in an iron lung and my breathing like a portable one so my breathing mm-hmm. will always be compromised which will compromise my quality of life but i'm otherwise healthy and i would have to make the choice whether to stay alive or not wow uh i gotta say i think you in an iron lung on a rascal is a good look <laughs> it's a good look it's a good look yeah uh i think as long as you you the iron lung is an earth tone and it brings out your cheeks i think yeah I well, I don't know. I have okay. to ask for one. I'll see what my insurance covers. They might say that's cosmetic. Yeah. Uh, I have a fear that I will become a stinky old person that people uh, pity and avoid. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably going to happen. It probably will. People do that to the elderly. Yeah, they do. Is it that the, the elderly lose their sense of smell and and they think that they don't have to uh, shower as much? No, I Anymore? think when you're rotting from the inside, it, it's oh. so constant oh. that you can't wash it off enough. You'd have to be in a shower 24 hours a day. Oh, that's harsh. That is harsh. But you are. You really. We're all just rotting from the inside. Isn't, then, isn't that a little dramatic, though? Rotting. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> rotting, but you said but it, it so. Me laugh. You said it so seriously, like you were <laughs> like you were serious that we were all rotting. From I the am inside. serious, but I. Yeah. I guess I I guess it's dramatic, but that, I guess that's just how I am. I don't yeah. know. Like I wasn't trying to be dramatic. I was right. dead serious. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So I, I but I guess it is dramatic. Yeah. Um. What is that noise? Do you hear a noise? It's my neighbor's uh, shower. Oh, Isn't okay. That crazy. Oh, you know what? Or it's their hose outside or something. But yeah, it happens. It's something in the pipes. Oh, okay. Um. For a second, I thought it was my my recording equipment. Could be Armageddon. I have a fear that I'm going to lose gravity and fly up into space and be trapped up there by myself. Are you serious? That's been one of my biggest fears since I was a kid. Are you serious? That's that's. I used to have panic attacks. Just you are going to lose gravity? So really, that is the most arrogant, crazy fear I've ever heard. Yeah. That you will be chosen to defy the laws of the universe. Oh, well, see, now it's like a compliment. 
but it does come from a narcissism. But yeah, that, yeah. that I will lose because when I would have panic attacks, the last thought I would have before it went to full blown yeah. was you're going to, you're going to be taken away from, I think it's more for me. You're going to be separated, taken yeah. away from everything and you can't breathe. And I would yeah. picture myself flying up into orbit and wow. being like, help. And I can't get down and wow. you know, none of my phone on me or there's no yeah. way to contact anyone. Well, if you think about it, that, that is a wonderfully creative embodiment of all of our biggest fears that we're going to be completely powerless and we're going to be completely alone and we're going to suffer, suffer physically. Yeah. You've combined them into one. No wonder you're a writer. I never thought of that. Thank you. Oh yeah. That's like, that's genius. Like sick genius. Yeah. Shooting up into space and just floating around. Maybe I should make a cartoon about that or something. Don't steal it. Anyone. We're all fucked. (laughs) <laughs> then I'll call- pitch it and they'll go, yeah. those 18 to 34 year old boys like this? Yeah. I don't know what they oh like. Oh my God. <laughs> That's, you know, uh, when I started woodworking a couple of years ago, people would say, why do you, because I would be out there eight hours a day making furniture and stuff. And people would say to me, what, wh- why do you, why so intense about the woodworking? And I said, you know, the, one of the things that I think I love so much is no douchebag in a suit s- walks into my shop and says, that type of wood isn't popular with 18 to 34 year old men. <laughs> you know, there's just a, of such a freedom in being oh. able to do what you want. And I think that's why podcasts are so great. Yeah. How many notes would we have been given so far? Yeah. Oh, mental illness. Let's think yeah. about that name. Yeah. Is there something more like sassy friends sitting around talking? <laughs> oh, you mentioned death. Yeah. Uh, people don't like that. We, oh, I'm sorry. We don't either. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why they like listening to this. We had uh, we have sponsors on on dinner and a movie, uh, and you know they'll come on for a segment or their product will come on and we'll talk about the product and I, just it's evolved to this point now where the the sales uh, people have given the sponsors more and more say as the years have gone on and attempt to just keep sales afloat uh. and. Uh, so now literally the marketing person from that product will be sitting watching the segment and saying, oh, can we take that that joke out because we don't want to be in the same segment with that joke. And we had... Pop- Slippery slope. It is. We had Papa John on, who's a perfectly nice guy, um, but a little... Uh, not camera uh ready a little kind sure? of a little stiff on camera and so i'm just trying anything to get it to seem conversational yeah and and this i i, I said something like oh he was he was tossing a pizza up and it, and it just it wasn't really funny we were making tortillas and his thing was you know you call that a thing here's a you know when he tosses a big pizza oh, sure, yeah. yeah and uh but it was just kind of you could just feel it was just kind of falling and so i i made some crack about him being cocky with his big pizza thing and the right. marketing person came up and said could we say confident sure because that just, would be hilarious i just wanted just to make go. a statement <laughs> i just wanted to go that's not a put down there's no <laughs> and that but that 18 to 34 year old pursuit of it's just, oh, like, it's so tiring. So you're asking me to figure out what an 18 to 34-year-old man wants? That's been the downfall yes. of every woman's <laughs> life. We don't know. I'll never be able to think that way. 
I guess what they want, why don't I make a show about this, about me never wanting you to call me? Like, yeah. how about that show? They'll love that. Like, what? I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, if I were to, if I were, based on my experience as an 18 to 34 year old man, I want to kill myself. <laughs> That's what I want. Let's make a show about suicide yeah. and just not really being good at mm. dating women. Yeah. Be a hit. I want to jerk off and hang myself. That's <laughs> actually you can do that now. You know, I, I, I actually tried that uh, oh. in, in college one time because I read about it and I was oh. like, oh, let me try this. And my roommate came home. Thank God. And the, I, fortunately, I had locked the, the door and I was just trying to to put something ar- around my neck. And, and, and I just took it as a sign from the universe that this is a bad idea because because supposedly it you know it intensifies your orgasm but yeah. so many people have died doing it yes just you get know? some like hot cream or something yeah oh yeah yeah I, I just <laughs> jerking off is good enough on its own why do you need don't risk death yeah you could he could have saved your life he could have he could have and I told him he was a really good friend of mine so oh, okay. afterwards I told him I was like you're not gonna believe what I was fucking trying to do <laughs> um. How do we get off on that tangent? Oh, uh, uh, Flying or the dying, space. dying and, uh, dying and jerking off. Um, yes. And before that, talking about flying into space. It's funny. Uh, I have to keep notes of which of these shows I will be comfortable making a copy and sending to my mom and could have, could have sent it almost, to her until, until about, ready. until about two minutes ago. Aww. Can't, can't send that one. You know what? I think she, I was just, it's so funny, I was just thinking of your mom when you said mm-hmm. that you were trying to do that. And I yeah. thought his poor mom, if yes. he had died. Yes, thank you. Just God. thinking, why was he suicidal? Or, you know, and you weren't, or she knew what you were doing. It was right. just like, oh, oh my really? perv son. Yeah, my pervy, pervy, <laughs> pervy son. Uh, so back to the, uh, we were yeah. still doing the fear off. Um, was it you or me? I, I just, I'm up in space now, so it's your Shit. turn. Because I'm out of ones that I wrote down, so now I got to see if I have any that I can just come up with on the. Oh, I'm afraid that ants are going to overrun uh, my house. I fucking have a total just OCD thing about insects. Um, oh, I don't care about ants, but I have that. I have a fear that cockroaches will overrun my place. That I will wake up and they will be all over the walls, all over the floors. It's horrifying. Ooh. It's horrible. I have such a fear of them. They are not here. They do not exist here, but I fear it every minute of the day. Mm. Um, I have a fear that... Um, that nobody uh, is ever going to want to uh, represent me uh, in entertainment. <laughs> I Some of your fears are so... Um, Real? No, they're make, like make comforting to me. Yeah. Like, I don't, I long for the day when I'm like Bill Murray and no one's repping me and I'm like, call my machine. Yeah. And, and if I want to do it, I'll do it. Yeah. I can't wait for the day no one's repping me. Well, you know, I think, I think we're heading <laughs> towards kidding. that day though, because I think managers and agents are becoming less needed with the, the, internet and people being able to put their own stuff up and just send somebody an email and say, Hey, take a look at this. Yeah. Well, I hope I'm not going to, I was thinking yeah. of episodes I could send to my manager. Yeah. And this one is now not, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> she just uh, wanted to know episodes of your podcast I should send. Oh, okay. and I was like, not the one me on it. Just kidding. I just made that. Up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, are we on you on your, feed? yeah, no, I have a fear. 
of being uh, shot uh, point blank in an alley. Really? Mm-hmm. Let's walk through that. Let's... I guess it's that old fear of just something surprising me and t- mm-hmm. catching me off guard because mm-hmm. that's a big thing of mine too yeah. in any way. Um, even though anytime I've... Can I just say anytime I've been caught off guard, anytime a real terrible, horrifying thing has happened, mm-hmm. I've been fine. I yeah. was in 9-11 in New York. I was fine. Yeah. I wasn't scared. I've been more scared riding an elevator yeah. than I was walking down the street away from the smoke. Uh, let's talk about that for a second. What, yeah. can, tell, tell me the story of that. Um, and honestly, I wasn't that close. I was like... Uh, in New Jersey. I was in uh, Connecticut. No, yeah. I was on... Um, I was on like 19th Street and it was down, you know, downtown and stuff. But the So how far away? A uh, half mile? Uh, maybe a mile. a mile. Okay. But um But still, th- that's close enough seeing the smoke. Oh yeah, watching pouring. the buildings fall. Did I you mean, did you hear this did you see the second plane hit? Uh no, I heard it. I I was um it was so funny. I was on a train. Oh, that makes me just sick to my stomach though the thought of of hearing that that sound. Well, it, you don't know what it is though because it was um but even after the fact, then going, oh, that's what that rumble was that I heard. That, yeah, that it wasn't like, I think other people heard it. Like, yeah. I just heard a, um, I, I can't even remember what it was. It was just, it was more like just, I can't explain it. It was just a, like just a yeah. big loud sound. And this guy was outside and he's like, he came running in and he goes, I just saw this plane like really, really low. Like it's, this, yeah. you know, and, and then I was like, oh, that's what I heard. But I was taking the subway into work, and I lived in Brooklyn, and there was a there was a stop where it goes outside for two stops, and you're going over this bridge, and you mm-hmm. can see the Trade Center. Mm-hmm. And the first plane had hit, mm-hmm. I think, it was either this, it was one of two situations, that I was above ground and saw the Trade Center for the last time and then went underground, mm-hmm. and then, you know, for the last time before it got hit. Mm-hmm. Or it was that it had hit when... And it was already burning and I didn't look up. I didn't look out the window that day. Like, I can't remember what happened, mm-hmm. but it was around. I was on the subway at that time yeah. and, and I don't remember which one it was. But then I got to work like a couple minutes later and I was at the coffee stand on the corner. Mm-hmm. I was calling my friend at work, leaving a message about, oh, this comedy show that, that you know, that, that went on last night. I didn't go to it and I don't get any respect. And a, a plane with people yes. in it. That are di- people are already dead. And I didn't yeah. look up because... Wow. The typical New Yorker thing. Why would I look up and see what's going on at the right. Trade Center? I see it every day. Yeah. So I just had my head There's no down. comedy club up there. <laughs> 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 oh, that would have been great. Well, yeah. then I, I, so I'm at the coffee cart and I'm, I'm bitching. Hurry up. I'm late for work. Blah, 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 blah. And I don't think anyone else there knew it was going on. Nobody was talking about it, but it, was, it had already happened. Yeah. And then I went into work and as I was walking in, I think that's when the second one came screeching down mm. to my friend who was late for work was like stressing about being late for work. And then he saw this thing and he had heard about the first plane. And that's when he was like, I think there's something going on. And then I was like, wait, there's plane. What? Like so out of it. And then I remember calling my boyfriend at the time who worked at, you know, the place, someplace right next to the trade center. And I didn't realize like everyone's cell phone wasn't working. So that was kind of scary, but he was fine. But he was like, Oh my God, it's crazy. And he ran up to where I was. And then, uh, my boss was like so oblivious to what was right. going on. He was like, he had reports to file. He literally asked me to to call Cantor Fitzgerald and and see if anyone was still there because that was the company where everyone died because yeah. they were on like the hundredth floor and it was all right. these young dudes and we were going to have some kind of meeting with them and 
He was like, can you see if anyone's... I'm like, what? I'm like, what? it was a blatant terrorist attack at this point. The Pentagon, yeah. everything had been hit. Yeah. And I was like, are we, do we get to leave? I mean, and he's like, where are you going to go? I'm like, I don't know, to be with my loved ones, like go to, yeah. go to a bar or something with my friends. Right. Actually, that was a reaction I didn't have. Everyone was getting drunk and I was like, yeah. I'm staying dead sober. Yeah. And it was the, actually, I have, I, so I take Klonopin, um for panic attacks and I usually have them on planes. Mm -hmm. And I, I keep it in my purse in case a panic attack comes on. Mm. And um, that, that day I left it in Brooklyn. Mm. And I, I remember... Um, going through my, I wasn't panicking though, but I remember later noticing in my purse that that was the one day I forgot to bring my Klonopin with me in my purse and I didn't even need it. I, there was really? no panicking. I went outside, the buildings fell. I felt sick and I felt like just overwhelmed, but this weird acceptance was like, I guess we're at war. Yeah. This is way bigger than me. Yeah. Um, everything changed for me personally. Yeah. And then it went back, you know, a couple of years later. Do you do you think that something happens when something is big enough that it clicks in our brains that we don't have control and maybe panic attacks are about trying to grasp what little control mm -hmm. we think we have? Because sometimes I'll get more upset by something that's small to medium size than I will be by something that's huge. There's almost like a calm that comes over me, yeah. like in an accident or something like that. Yeah, I think it's your, your body's natural chemistry. Because I get panic attacks on planes, but nothing's happening. It's all in my head. Right. And I have absolutely no control in that situation. Right. But yet, there's it's, Maybe no it's communal. the not knowing. Maybe it's the not knowing how the bad thing is going to take yeah, place. Yeah, like once the bad thing happens, you're like, oh. Okay, at least I now know what the bad thing is. Yeah, I've anticipated this. It happened. Yeah. It's almost like there's no way anything else is going to happen now. Or right. if it does... You really are all in it together. And when you realize at that moment, I was like, I've been, and I don't think it's selfish to have panic disorder. I, yeah. I have a disease, but the quick moment in my head, I went, Oh, what a luxury, yeah. um, disease to have where I have been triggered chemically by things that aren't happening. Mm -hmm. But thank God I now know that when things happen, I, I, I will be okay. Yeah. Like it was a kind of a beautiful moment. And I was mm -hmm. like, Well, the only time I have to worry on this day is if I'm physically harmed and I'm not. So. Mm -hmm. What can I do to help? And right. not that I was particularly helpful. I didn't give blood or go down there. I, right. I, I hate to say it. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, you know, if someone, you, people just come up to you on the street crying, like yeah. like some weird post-apocalyptic zombie movie. And, so you, and you just hug someone and listen to them and then yeah. you move on. And wow. that happened like what was all the, day what was long. That, what, what, what was that like? I thought it was beautiful. I'm like, I am experiencing New York in a way that will ne I don't know, never happen and maybe will never happen yeah. again, but there's no one, there's no, the next day it was a ghost town. There's no cars anywhere, yeah. you know, but it was beautiful. It was like people would just walk down the street crying. No one was a freak. We all knew why everyone mm -hmm. was crying within an hour. All these posters were up missing this, missing that. And it was just nice to just walk along the street and actually connect with someone yeah. and move on and talk to people and life was going on, and not in a disrespectful way, yeah. but there were still people sitting at cafes. It was mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know what else to do. I'm going right. to sit here and have a coffee. And yeah. everyone was talking to each other and just on high alert of, of not fear. There wasn't fear. Right. That's what I remember. And that's why I get so angry, and not mm -hmm. to bring it back to politics, but how fearful people that weren't there seemed to be about this thing. Mm -hmm. No one was afraid i know you see the videos of people running and screaming yeah that's, that, a, that's a fight that or moment. flight reaction yeah. to not yeah. get 
hit by a building. Right. But once you're away from it, no one was like, oh, what's happening next? We were freaked out. And obviously no one wanted anything to happen next. But there was so much love amongst like your fellow man on the yeah. street that I don't remember fear. It was like, get out of here, fear. Like, we, we don't have time for this nonsense. Right. You know, people are dying. And if we're not the ones dying, then we don't have room for fear. Yeah. There, there's something interesting that happens when when something tragic happens and your priorities you can see your priorities now very clearly of what's important you know giving and receiving love from people mm -hmm. um helping people the, it it almost seems like when the, when those moments happen and and our priorities become clear why why is it that we then stop slowly doing that and get back into being upset about shit that doesn't matter. I know. I was going to say it didn't take long. I mean, I was like, please let me never forget this feeling. Yes. And I did, yeah. but I didn't know. See, back then I didn't meditate or have any spiritual mm -hmm. things. So, uh, you know, or, you know, any, I wasn't in therapy. I had been in therapy, but right. I wasn't going regularly. Right. So I had no outlet to get outside of myself. Mm -hmm. And in New York, you really have to survive by, thinking about yourself constantly and kind of going into a shell just yeah. to not be bombarded by yeah just just but sensory bombardment yeah so it took maybe a year six months well actually i moved six months later so but then i moved to la and it was like you don't even have to deal with your fellow man because it's more spread out mm -hmm. and no one's walking anywhere yeah. so yeah it didn't it take it long it bums me out how many people pass each other on the street and and avoid eye contact in la or anywhere uh it, mostly in LA, oh, okay, and I yeah. consciously try try to say hi to people and, and connect to people, but it it kind of makes me sad that the the kind of the default position is to is to avoid uh, eye contact because that, that to me is the just the worst way to go through life. But I was that was that way for for many 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 years. Getting back to what you were yeah. talking about the the um that there was a a beauty underneath that the tragedy and the horror of that mm -hmm. uh i my wife and i had moved here to los angeles a week before the northridge earthquake in 1994 and uh. it was horrifying it was the, the earthquake itself was horrifying the loudest most violent thing i've ever it was you like you heard it from la no we were in you la were we had just been here moved here for a week but what do you mean what was the noise you could hear the northridge earthquake oh my god uh, the earthquake was the loudest thing you've you've ever. And Northridge is like forty miles north, isn't it? Am I crazy? No, no, no. Northridge is about five miles from. Oh, from oh, here. oh! Well, I didn't realize that. I'm stupid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Oh it, wow! It, oh, it is the loudest, deepest thundering rumble. I mean, you could scream and almost not be heard over how loud really? it is. Oh, I yes. had, no one has ever told me that. That's it, terrifying. It is the part that freaks you out the most is, uh, well, that and being thrown up in the air three feet for, thir for 30 seconds. I mean, just literally, you're up three feet in the air, you're down. You're up, you're <gasps> down. You're up, you're down for 30 seconds. And that was just five miles from the epicenter. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's way scarier than a man taking a plane. That's the uh, I, I don't know. I, throwing yes. you around. It 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 was such a. a That's my gravity. feeling, and it, and that was my fear when we moved here. Was I'm going to die in an earthquake? And and I wake up at four thirty in the morning, six, six days into being here, and I'm like, my fucking nightmare has come true. Oh my god! I forgot and, to put that on my fear list: earthquake yeah, and getting yes, trapped. Yes, me too. Um, 
but my point was is after the earthquake died down huh. everybody in our apartment building and i had just met these people yeah actually the way i met them is i come stumbling out of our apartment in my underwear without my glasses <laughs> and and i'm standing there and everybody's pouring out of their apartments and i decided in that moment i would rather be crushed by the building then stand out here without pants and my glasses. <laughs> so I went back in, got my pants and my glasses, came back out. And the thing that was the beauty underneath the horror was people came together in that courtyard for a week. Mm -hmm. uh, we managed, we cooked for each other. People that didn't have water borrowed each other's water. People that wow. didn't have gas, we made. And I remember thinking to myself, this is so fucked up. But I want this to last for forever. This oh, feeling, so nice. this feeling of everybody coming together and sharing and talking about their fear yeah. and feeling like we have each other's backs. And I didn't want another earthquake to hit, but I wanted that sense of community. That's how I felt after nine eleven. I yes. hope this. I know the city is going to go back to normal. Yeah. So how do we? How do we on a daily basis? Um, you know, I suppose in some way. Maybe that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast is kind of re rekindle that feeling that I'm not alone and that, hey, I've got these fears and um, let's let's talk about them. And uh, I, I, I don't know, but I just I can't I can never get enough of that feeling of of being safe in a group of people no, and feeling I, loved. And it's funny because when I put myself into what I call like an artificial situation, like if I went to a meditation class or something. Yeah. I've gone to a few meditation classes where there's maybe a speaker and they talk about it and then they tell you what technique you're going to do. And then they'll say, now turn to the person next to you. And I freeze up. I get fearful. Yeah, yeah. I talk to people for a living. I love meeting new people. Mm -hmm. But in those moments, I'm like, no, I don't want to. I want to be in my thing. And yes. I want to be in the group, but yes. not part of it. What do you think that's about? I don't know. I get I get what do you, primal what do you think, fear. But what do you think is what do you think? Someone's going to need something from me. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Now that's bl that's the yes. blurred out like yes. this person's going to take it too seriously and need me. Yeah, or I'm afraid they're going to bore me. Oh, well, that too, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's a that's more of a for me like a that would suck, but yeah. the primal fear is I just don't want to have anything to do with this yeah. person. Whereas yeah. if it's if it's a is it the, is it that you're afraid you're going to be inconvenienced or that you're going to disappoint them? inconvenienced yeah and maybe the sub layers disappoint them yeah but probably it feels like i resonate with inconvenience yeah. but if now if now if there was a earthquake and i had to run out and talk to the neighbor mm -hmm. the adrenaline and the, the craziness of it the bond would throw us together we wouldn't have to find a common thing we right. wouldn't have to try it just yes. is yeah. it's survival mode right. but turning to someone it's i'm just so afraid of crazy people needing things from me yeah. which is so stupid where do you think that comes from must come from my family, right? Yeah. That's where everything comes from. Yeah. And my family is wonderful. I'm still very yes. close now, with them. Now, Jen, I'm not a doctor, but I am a hypochondriac. <laughs> so let's examine this. <laughs> I think it's probably, yeah, from, from having like a chaotic home growing up and that kind of thing yeah. of like probably having to grow up fast, you know, not, yeah. not having to grow up fast. I had a great childhood, but, but just kind of like a lot of yelling and fighting yeah. and stuff in my house and just kind of trying to be a peacemaker. I just don't. And I've always seemed to attract... I haven't in a long time. When did though, your, pa when did your panic people. attacks uh, start? When I was 10. 10, I think. Can you, 10 or 11. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah, my first one, it was all around like the Cold War and, and mm -hmm. that movie The Day After had come out and I had watched that. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it wasn't like a if and or maybe. It was like when this happens. So 
I had this sense that like the adults running the world didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were hell bent on killing us all and that there was no control, but not in the good way, right. no control in the just like terrifying way. And I didn't put two and two together. Um, it's not like I knew that and then felt panicky. I just, that was kind of what I always thought. And then one day I was on a bus on a field trip and we were trapped in traffic and my friend who's really funny and she's just kind of like evil sense of humor was totally joking, did not know this would get my go and went, we're trapped. We can never get out of here. And that boom, I had a panic attack. It was like, what, what was the physical sensation? Po- sweaty palm, can't breathe, heart racing, throat closing up, racing thoughts uh-huh. that are just like, you're going to die so that you just start to believe it within two seconds. I'm yeah. dying. I'm dying. Uh-huh. That kind of feeling, it, mm-hmm. they call it feelings of unreality if you read descriptions of panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I mean by flying up into space, like mm-hmm. feeling of unreality, like almost that feeling of if you've ever woken up and you're not quite awake yet, like you feel like you're watching yourself outside your body, that whole thing. Right. So you really feel like almost you're being pulled out of yourself. So right. th- that was my first panic attack. And my arm was really numb too. Wow, that's intense for a 10-year-old to, to, to yeah. feel that. What what do you think, you, you've been through therapy mm-hmm. and you've done a lot of work on yourself. What connections have you made, if any, to what you think might be behind the panic attacks? Well, I think my mom had them growing up. I mean, she talks about it. Mm-hmm. She she called it hormonal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just genetic. My grandmother is an anxious, or she's dead now, but she was an anxious person, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think it is probably genetic, but I also think that it was just this, you know, my sisters were older than me, so they, they left home when I was eight. Mm-hmm. And so I was literally raised as an only child. And I think I think also some people are just kind of born that way. Like I was very sensitive. Mm-hmm. If there was any trouble at home, if my parents had a fight, if there was anything. You picked up on it. I picked up on it and was like, I have to fix this. Yeah. Nothing is secure. I always say like I pictured were it like. Were you afraid that your parents were going to break up and you're. No, I wanted them to. You did. Because divorce was very chic in the, <laughs> in the 80s. And all I remember is my friend Jennifer Frangello was her name. Mm-hmm was this lower middle class kid like me. Her dad and mom got divorced. Her mom married her divorce lawyer. Instantly, Jennifer is rich. They live in a mansion. She has two Christmases, a new car. And I'm like, this is awesome. So I thought you get a divorce and you marry your rich divorce lawyer. Like I just was like, I want that. Yeah. And you know, my parents won't fight and then we'll have two Christmases and whatever. No, I really Mm -hmm. thought that there was... uh, Did your parents fight a lot? Yeah, I think that... that what, were their, what were their fights like? I don't know what they were about, to be honest with you. I think they were just... But but the tone of them. Oh, anything from just kind of a quiet dinner where you know something is Something's going wrong. on yeah. to crying and yelling. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing violent or anything, but crying and yelling mm-hmm. and just both talking over each other and yeah. and fights at times of the day that are... You know, fights that aren't like that. I never knew where they started. Like my only memory is just it's always like being in bed and it's like early in the morning and I'm woken up by sound of fighting, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just think they just didn't get along. I mean, they're still married. They're fine now. And, you know, they joke about they're bickers. They pick at each other. Yeah. But I don't know what they were going through then. I don't know if they I have no idea. I have no idea if they didn't feel in love. I don't know anything about how they felt. But I think as a kid, that's got to, 
if you don't feel like you're being protected, I think your mind goes to, I've got to protect. And that's a, yeah. such a wrong instinct. And, and it's such a load to, to put on a kid to feel that your parents, that you have an influence over your parents' destiny. Yeah. And, and of course, my parents never put that on me. And yeah. if I talk to them about it now, they go, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's all in my head. But it's yeah. the way, I mean, I've heard people who are abused. My therapist would tell me about people who are abused side with the abuser and not the other parent. They see the other parent as like a victim in a bad way mm-hmm. and they have sympathy for the abuser because their mind can't handle it. Yeah. They can't handle seeing both of their parents as wrong. Like one has to, w- it's some weird thing wow. in your mind. mind, mind. Yeah. But yeah. so for me, it was like, I, I don't know. I just became this little like codependent and training, like fix this, fix If you're that. happy, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think I'm like that so much now. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I'm a more of an avoider. Of, you were, we were talking before we rolled. Uh, uh, tell, oh, yeah. tell the listeners about the conversation <laughs> that you had with your mom. That's one of the things that I love when you when you talk on stage. Um, uh, weren't you and Morgan Murphy doing something on stage where you oh, were talking? Whose talk, mom t- said it? Whose mom said it? Oh, that's, that's so fucking fucking genius. Do you guys do that anymore? No, Morgan made that up, and actually, it was a talk show she used to do, and then when she moved away, I just did a talk show alone. But now that she's back, I think we should bring oh, her talk show back. Oh, you gotta do it. Yeah. I would go see that in a heartbeat. It's really funny. So uh, tell me the the conversation. Well, I was just talking to my mom on the phone, and um, and who, by the way, is we're so close, and she's very lovely. And if she's listening, yes. I'm not making fun of her. Yeah, but um. Yeah, we were talking. Actually, she's at Foxwoods right now. They go gambling every weekend mm-hmm. together. And she was like calling me to tell me uh, John Oliver and Mark Marin are there. And I'm going to go say hi to both of them. <laughs> and I'm like, please do whatever. So she's like, we're talking about. Uh, she was she was telling me about my dad and, he, you know, he's retiring and they just have this wacky, in my opinion, this wacky view of like what is what you are owed when you retire. And mm-hmm. my mom is upset that my dad has to train the next person coming through on the job. Yeah. And she's like, this woman is getting all this credit that your father is not. And I go, mom, what do you mean? Is it really a, is someone really saying, God, Sally, you're amazing. And Ron, you sucked. You know, right. what kind of credit is she getting? I said, are you making it up? She goes, no. And I said, you know, my therapist says, he says you're MSUing making shit up. And I said, so just relax. You're just making shit up. And she goes, I thought your therapist was a woman. And I said, oh, that's my psychiatrist, psychologist. This is the guy that gives me my clonopin for my panic attacks. And she goes, oh, I didn't know you were still taking that. I said, well, I take it when I get on planes, but, but just very small amount. I never take it otherwise. And I go, you know, two refills a year, 30 pills. I mean, nothing. Well, Jen, I just read Stevie Nick's book and she... (laughs) had a slow addiction. She was on the same thing, the clonopin, and she didn't realize that it was slowly building up and she, a silent addiction. I'm like, mom, (laughs) you must have misread it. And also drug addicts lie. They always say they didn't know a prescription was bad. And I'm like, this is, I know I sound like I'm lying, but this is not the same thing. I take a half milligram when I fly, which is nothing. And she's like, well, it's just because I love you too much. And I go, no, I know. I said, but really, really don't worry. Like yeah. this doctor, I have to go talk to him once a month. Yeah. And, you know, if I, it would, it, you know, I'm not a, a celebrity. I'm not going to be getting pills just because right. someone wants to be a sycophant. And she's like, all right, I just, I know about these slow addictions. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, moms <laughs> have such an annoying way of loving you sometimes. It's. Like, I love my mom. I know that she loves me, but sometimes they don't. I don't know if they were, their generation just didn't, weren't shown the tools of how to love a child. And so they do it in 
the best way they know how, and it, and we interpret it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. think that's I think that's what it is, and I think it takes you years sometimes to realize. Oh, that's my mom or my dad trying to love me, trying to show me love. Well, you know what's funny about my parents is they, and I don't say this meanly, but. They really are. You know, my mom didn't work for many years. She and she got one job, and that's her one job. And my dad's only had one job. They're not used to this life I live, where it's right. you move around a lot. And, and in Hollywood, if you stay one place too long, you know, it's kind of good to move around. Mm. And they're not the type of parents that I can call and say, "Hey, I'm, help me make this decision," because they get kind of freaked out, like, "Oh, I don't know. Don't ask me." And so when I left Chelsea lately to take a writing job on a sitcom. It was definitely a, a. But you're back at Chelsea. But lately I'm back now. at Chelsea yeah, because yeah. through trial and error, I realized as a performer that's a better type of writing job for me. Mm-hmm. Even though it is technically, um, you know what I mean. People like your agent wants you writing on a network sitcom more than right. they want you on a basic cable right. late night show. But for me, it's better. Yeah. But when I left, my parents were devastated because they couldn't see me on TV anymore, and they they didn't understand, and they love Chelsea, and they know her stars rising, and they just. They were, they were so freaked out that I'd made the wrong decision. And I, I talked to them over and over about what, what, why I made it and why it was okay. And I don't think they could quite understand. It's a hard thing to understand anyway. Mm-hmm. But they just don't like decisions at all. So I didn't know this, but a bu- they, as I said, they go to Foxwoods Casino every weekend. And there's always a, there's a comedy club there, and there's always a comic performing. And they know all my friends. They visit all mm-hmm. the time. They know their work. They love comedy. Every time I had a friend come, they've all told me this since I've been back at Chelsea. Every time I had a friend roll through Foxwoods, they told me that my parents would come up to them and my mom would go, did Jen make the right decision leaving <laughs> Chelsea? What do you, did, is she screwed up? Is she okay? And my dad would be like, I don't, what, what is it like a TV writing sitcom? Like, is that better? And like everyone told me that they were pulled aside backstage yeah. and I'm like, that's their way of, of trying to of love loving you. me. Yeah. You know? yeah, not trying to love you, of loving you. Of loving yeah. me and saying, yeah. I know I can't help her with this decision, Yes, but I've got to get some information. Yes. <laughs> I've got to steer her in the in, in the right path. Yeah, so I guess you you know you never stop being their their kid, and so there there isn't like a birthday that hits and you go, okay, they're making their own decisions now. I can stop wringing my hands, and yeah, and I think we just got to recognize that and know that it is coming from a a, a place of uh, of love. Oh, absolutely, and they have their own opinion about what they think makes a good life, and yeah. in their opinion, being on TV is the ultimate. Yeah. and I could be making ten million dollars a year writing on another show. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, but you're not on TV. Like, mm-hmm. it's very important for them to turn me on in their mm-hmm. living room and mm-hmm. see me there. Yeah. That means something to them. Yeah. And I could say, I, they, I have to pay them to do that. They, they hit me in the head. Right. No. They just love the, to see me yeah. there. So it's, it's what makes them comfortable. And it's very amusing. And it's a me. way for them to get to see you. Yeah. And they like to see me. But it's, it's very cute. And I actually, you know, they're like, not every parent gets that. I'm like, no, that's yeah. true. But they just... They, yeah, it's yeah. really funny. They yeah. trust my decisions, but they they don't understand them. Right, right. <laughs> um, did we finish the fear off? Yeah, you went through all your fears, and then you reminded me that the one I never said was earthquake. Oh, earthquake. I mean, that's pretty real, though. I was trying to think of things that may or may not happen. Yeah. But earthquake is real. It is real. But uh... I have a kit, and as you were talking, I was going to go to the grocery store later, and I am going to get some bottled water and keep it here just in case because mm-hmm. my filtered faucet is not, yes. not going to help me when the yeah. supplies no, shut up. No, it's not. And uh, I may be the worst uh, podcast host ever. I've got this podcast to help uh, myself and to help others that 
you know, might be depressed or struggling with things. And the two things that I give them to take out of this is, hey, let's talk about 9-11. <laughs> and earthquakes are very real. <laughs> but as long as we can laugh through yes. it. Yes. That's uh, all that matters. And I've got Klonopin if anyone needs it. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm not sending that. It's a silent addiction. Yeah. My wife has to take a pill to, to fly. So I, I, I totally get that. I'll see, her, I'll see her in rehab. Yeah, the, I've, 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 I've sat next to her on, on, on planes, and I want her to have that client. Oh, yeah, you need it's, it. For some people, no amount of rationalizing or talking to them. If you have a loved one that is afraid to fly, don't try to change them. Don't no. try to berate them or make them see things your way. It doesn't matter whether or not it's a rational fear. Mm-hmm. Let them... Let them deal with it. And and you know what? I actually love flying. It's like the only time I get to be alone. And It's and, a best I, time to read. Too. Yeah. I love to travel. I like to just flip through. I never sit on the couch and flip through TV. Now I can do it on a plane. Mm-hmm. I love being in the air. I love looking out the window. Yeah. I believe and trust that it's 100% safe. But there's just a physical thing that I do not like to be stuck up in the air. Um, I don't like it. Yeah. So it gives me a panic attack, even though I know it's safe. Mm-hmm. And so I take a pill. And and I have actually stopped saying I have a fear of flying. It's what I used to say, so I didn't have to get into mm-hmm. the panic attack thing. But now I just say, I have panic disorder, and being in a plane triggers it, and I need to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because the fear of flying thing, it's true. It brings up so much in people. They want to help. They want to mm-hmm. tell you you're stupid. And it's like, I used to sit and listen to people and go, oh, you know, I don't even really have a fear of flying, and I just invited this conversation. Right. And the panic, I think, shuts them up because either they get it or they don't, and they're like, you seem to know what that is. I don't know. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. Um, I remember being... I literally just spilled water down my throat. It's a good look. It's Thanks. a good look. <laughs> it's a tiny wet t-shirt contest <laughs> just for me. Uh, I remember at my most depressed when I was feeling really suicidal all the time, flying was awesome because it was a chance that I might die without having to kill myself. And I remember Ah! the plane taking off and thinking, come on, let's fucking go down. Let's do it. Oh, my God. And then I and then I I won't have to my parents won't have to feel that additional pain of he's dead and he he killed himself. Oh. That that is one of the pluses. That's one of the few pluses about being suicidal yeah, is you're not afraid to fly. Yeah. You're not afraid to fly. Well, I think I mentioned this on our last podcast is is my panic disorder went undiagnosed and unhelped for so long for 11 years that eventually it turned into very severe depression. Yeah. And when I was depressed, I wouldn't panic, and uh-huh. when I was not depressed, that's when I panic. So the depression really? was actually like a very comforting um, yes. hug in a way because I was so low chemically that I right. couldn't produce the chemicals right. needed to panic. So I kind of enjoyed being depressed because I was like, it was a relief. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to have a panic attack today. Right. I'm too depressed. Yeah. So, but then once I got therapy and help and stuff, the depression did lift. So is the only time that you really get uh, our kind of prone to panic attacks is flying do you, do you now get the- now i used to have them just balls out walking down the street coming upon me for no reason um now if i have those what's I, the most ridiculous thing you remember panicking about i don't even know if it's that ridiculous but i i think i had one like in a clothing store once like on the third floor of the beverly center mm-hmm. and i'm like i can't get out of here fast enough like yeah. and i was 
running like a dragon was chasing me. Really? You know, and then when I got outside, I was fine. It's yeah. like that that kind of yeah. weird thing. But that's like those are almost silly now. If I have one of those, I go. I can breathe. I have my pill. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But a, a plane, I, there's, for me, there's no amount of talking myself down because I sure. know I can't get out. It always, right. that, that one thing always trumps it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's the only time I have panic attacks now. And, and I think... Um, it's actually almost irrational to not be afraid flying. Yeah, it's... A, it's because if you think about it, you're in a tube going 500 miles an hour. 30,000 feet in the air. Yeah, at the mercy of a person you don't know. Right. I mean, to have a thought about it, I guess not to obsess on it. if you're listening it. to this podcast, <laughs> Stop plane, listening I to apologize. That. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Oh, my God. The <laughs> worst. The worst, the worst host ever. The worst. <laughs> hey, at least if you're on a plane, yeah. you are safe from earthquakes. That's And I used to think that after the earthquake is I would, in oh. fact, I used to have a little fantasy that the, the plane would take off and I would see an earthquake start and I would be like, a, I would be the victor because I had been <laughs> in the right place at the right time and I got to be entertained by seeing shit fall. Why would that entertain you? Because I am so competitive that if you're suffering and I'm not, really? I win. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a dick. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. I'm not competitive at all, and I say yeah. that not to be better than. I'm. Yeah. It's probably a fear of. Yeah. But I. I'm jealous. Luckier, I should say, not better than, in a better position because I've always felt like. Um, yeah, luckier. Oh, yes, I've always felt like, oh, I'm unlucky. You know, I can't experience happiness. I can't experience this. So, if there's a place where I get a break. Right, that right. would give me the feeling. Oh, the universe does love me. Right, I'm tapped yes. into the right yeah. thing, and I don't feel that that way anymore. I feel good naturally, you know. But, oh, that's good. But, okay, but so there's but but there's still. I, somebody said something uh, the, this morning that that I liked. They talked about how you have no power over what thought pops into your head. Yeah, but you have a power. They, the, the way they described it is, you have no control over a bird landing on your head, but you have control over whether or not you let it build a nest. And and oh, I like great. that. I like that because it. I don't let the nest get built nowadays. Yes, a lot of fucking birds land on my head. Yep. But um, that that is the recovery to me is what I do with that crazy thought or fear when it pops. That's how pops I am with the, with the panic. It, it usually starts with a thought. All yeah. the work I've done on it, they say, "What was the thought before?" And usually yes. I'm like, "I don't know." Yeah. But now it's like, when crazy thought comes in. It's just like popcorn popping. Like yes. I, I'm not even. Yes, because you are not your initial thoughts. You that is, we're powerless over what pops into our head. Your brain's just trying to entertain itself. Yeah, yeah. that's what someone described it's it. It's a to very me selfish as. guest. But yeah, mm. just turn it off. Turn yeah. it off. Don't talk to yourself like that. Yeah, and I think that's that's an okay place to be for me. I'm really cool with knowing that for the rest of my life I'm going to have crazy thoughts and fears, but I have tools now. To decide what I do with them when they yeah. pop into my head. And for me, this podcast is so much fun because finally there's a use for them instead of them making me crazy and sad. Right. I can feel connected to, to somebody. So maybe it's like it's it's the little earthquake that this is the little party in the courtyard after the uh, oh, that's after true, the earthquake. Yeah. How cheesy is that? No, it's very sweet. Yeah. Uh, well, Jen, thank you so much for uh, letting me redo this, uh, yes. our, our interview after two botched attempts. <laughs> I think we finally got it right, and uh, I, I had so much fun talking to you, and uh, that might be my favorite fear off so far. Oh, good. That okay. Was, that was good. You I think I- a lot of your fears are, are okay. Yeah. I think you don't have it so bad. That's 
that was good hearing yours. I'm just starting to dig, la- though. I'm just starting to dig. Oh, okay. Well, it's yeah. fun to hear someone else's that has the same fear as you, because when someone else says it, you laugh. You go, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So then you remember, oh, I can talk to myself that way if yeah, I want. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, is there anything you want to uh, plug before before we go? Oh, I have a CD out called Hail to the Freaks. Cool. And um, it's, you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon. Uh, and I hope that people do. They will enjoy it, I think. I'm sure they will. Uh, and if you're out there and you're stuck, there is hope. And just remember, you are not alone. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. 